If you'll stand with me, let's go to the word of the Lord for just a few moments today. How many of you have your keys? Amen. If you don't have a key, you need one. I've got a few extras up here in the front. We've been on a series since Easter about the keys. Amen. What these represent in my life is access. They represent possibilities and opportunities that God gives me. He puts them in my possession. He said to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And he gave him more than he even understood. It took Peter a long time, perhaps before he fully realized all that had been given to him. But when he started using those, when he began to preach, something happened. The power of God fell. There are many other keys that we can discover in the Word of God that open the door to us. Uh, Opportunities and potential that we could not find any other way. And they also have the ability to close doors that we need closed. So get your key out. We're going to take an adventure into the Word again today. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians the 6th chapter. I'm going to read a very familiar scripture, so please don't turn me off before you hear me out. Amen. All right? I've been around Pentecost long enough to know that we have really good, I don't know if this is a good word, but Turner offers. We have the ability to just switch, flip that little switch, and we're still here bodily, but Our minds at Six Flags or at Kroger or somewhere else. So don't don't flip the switch, all right? Hear me out. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 reads like this. Be not deceived. What a way to introduce a principle. What a way to begin a statement. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. Say that with me. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I want to talk to you for a little while from the subject, the key to all you desire. Say that with me. The key to all you desire. Whatever that all might encompass, I hope that God will help me give you a key of understanding today. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Unless I am greatly mistaken, when I look across this congregation, I I believe that I see people that uh, would all like the blessed life. Anybody here not want a blessed life? Anybody not care about whether your life's blessed or not? You just want to live. I think there is something innate in all of us, humanity, 
Because I believe God created us for bigger things and better things than many of the things that we settle for in life. I believe that because of man's frailties and his humanity, sometimes we, uh, we settle our life into a place of mediocrity, not because we can't have more or because we can't do more or know more, but because we're just, I don't want to use the word, but perhaps lazy, too lazy to pursue more. But I think that somewhere hidden in the recesses of every one of our hearts is a desire to have a life that is blessed, to have the favor of God, the blessings of God. We want peace. We want happiness. We want joy. We want fullness. We want fulfillment. We want satisfaction. Am I naming anything that's of interest to anybody here today? Does any of that interest you? Or do you like living in hell all the time? Do you like living in misery? And so I, I know what our desire is. And I think I know enough about humanity to know what we are reaching for, though we may not be accomplishing that thing. And I believe that everybody in this building really wants more. We, whatever it is that we want more of, more joy, more peace, more happiness. Maybe you want more money. I don't know. But there's something in all of us that desires that, that, that fruitfulness that comes from the efforts that we're putting out to live this life. We certainly do not want uh, to, to live impoverished and none of us are really poor this morning compared to the rest of the world in which we live monetarily. But many of us are poorer spiritually than we ought to be or we should be because we have failed to understand a very simple biblical principle. So often in life, our life is anything but blessed. And that in itself creates a lot of frustration and a lot of aggravation. Because we, it's not as if we're not trying and it's certainly not as if we are not putting out some kind of effort. But the desired result seems to sometimes be right beyond our grasp. We we work and we labor and we pour ourselves into living and life and yet when we get come to the end of the day we're just as frustrated at the end of the day as we were at the beginning of the day because we put out all of this effort but we don't seem to be any further down the path toward what we are desiring than we were when we started and so as a result of that life for a lot of folks is very frustrating because when you do put out effort and yet there's no, there's no, the, not the results that you had anticipated, then certainly it causes a lot of confusion. Sometimes we get angry because we work so hard and yet we get so little out of our labors. We, 
We try, but we don't seem to get as far as we want to go. We lack the joy that we expected to find or we expected to come when we did this certain thing and we lack the peace or the satisfaction and we long for something more and yet we keep working, we, we keep trying, we keep going through the, the motions and we live the life that we live the best that we can. We would like for things to be better. I would like for things to be better. I, I would like for there to be a lot more joy and a lot more happiness and a lot more peace and I'd just like life to be a lot sweeter than it is sometimes. <laughs> I would just like for there to be at the end of the day a feeling of calm that comes over you when you look back and you realize that it has been a good day. A little more joy could go a long way in helping someone through what they're going through right now. No one wants to live in an impoverished spiritual state. And so with all of that in mind, I want to go to our text and I want us to explore some things that God has been talking to me about over the last few days. And perhaps if you already know this, you'll just file it away in something to remember. But maybe it will help someone in this building today get out of the rut that you've gotten into. When I read this text, I am first of all accosted by the disclaimer that Paul puts at the very beginning. He makes such a bold statement that it's almost like a slap in the face uh, to try to get your attention and make you sit up and, and pay closer attention to what he is about to say. And he begins by stating that, God is not mocked. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And when I read that, I, I have to understand that there was a reason Paul put that in there. He didn't just throw that out as just a verbiage or, or extra words to make up a sentence. But when he said, be not deceived, God is not mocked, he was first of all addressing an issue that all humanity struggles with at times, and that is dealing with the reality of what life brings to us. We don't like the reality of life. We don't like the fact that sometimes we have to look in the mirror and realize that it's not my brother, and it's not my sister, and it's not my boss, and it's not my neighbor, and it's not any of the other things that I am trying to blame my frustration on. But it is me that is at the root of the problem because I have ignored. I have turned out of mind. I have tried to circumvent a principle in life that you cannot circumvent and prosper. You can't ignore it. You can't get around it. You don't like it. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. There's a lot of things about the Word of God through the years that I really didn't like, but my not liking it didn't change the principle that he was trying to give me. He did not change the fact that even though my human nature did not want to agree with that, the reality was that if I ignored that, it was to my hurt. And so he has to begin this statement by saying, now don't 
Don't be misled. Don't believe the lie that your mind will tell you that that's just an old priest. He's just a dinosaur. He's just an owl hooting in the wind of the night. He just, he's old, but just understand me. Forget my visage. Forget my age and realize that it doesn't matter who you are. If you're 20 years old or you're 90 years old, there is one thing you will never do and prosper, and that is ignore the principles that are in this word right here. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, you cannot ignore these principles and prosper. And so he said, be not deceived. Don't, don't let your mind play tricks on you and say, well, I know that applies to her or him, but I, I'm different. I'm I'm a little smarter than they are. So anyway, be not deceived. God is not mocked. And so he begins to outline in very short, condensed form one of the most powerful principles in all of Scripture and in life. And he simply states it like this. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so in that simple statement, Paul gives you and I the key to all of the things that we desire. The peace, the joy, the happiness, the contentment, the fullness, the abundance, the blessings, the anointing, the favor of God. All of those things that we talk about and we really want, but we seem how, somehow seem to never get our hand on them. And they oftentimes evade us. And what Paul is really telling the Galatians and he's telling us this morning is that you and I hold in our hands the key to the life that we desire right now. We hold it in our hands right now. It's in our possession. It's in our hands. So say that with me. It's in my hands. The things that I desire, it's not in the preacher's hand. It's not in whether I can preach a good sermon. It's not in whether I have all the right verbiage and vocabulary to whelm you or overwhelm you or convince you. What, what you hold in your own possession right now is more powerful than anything that I can say to you, for it is the reality, actually, of what Scripture has given to us. And that is the key that will unlock a door to blessing and the the life that you desire and the favor that you desire and the peace and the marriage or the home or whatever it is that you desire. God, put it in your hands. Now, we don't like that because we like blaming people. We like to say it's, it's my wife's fault. The reason I'm mad all the time is because she frustrates me. I'm not talking about my wife now. <laughs> Let me go back and start over here. I'm just using us as a... But it's a lot easier for me to point a finger at somebody else look across the church and say, well, you know what? I could probably really worship God if it wasn't for those people. I could really live for God if it wasn't for this problem that just 
goes everywhere I go. And so we, we want to put it in somebody else's hands because we love playing that game. We love being able to say, well, it's not my fault. The reason I'm in this prison that I'm living in is because somebody locked me up. Well, guess what, folks? You have the key to get yourself out of that room. You've got the key to open a door and give you freedom and joy and give you the liberty that you want. Amen. So it's not in somebody else's hands this morning. It's in your hands. The key to a better life, the key to a better future. Oh, get this, the key to a better marriage. The key to better relationships among people, the key to a better spiritual life, it's in your hands right now. You have the key to that. You, you want to blame somebody? We don't like that. We, we don't like that kind of preaching. We think that's negative preaching. You know, you're, not, you're supposed to be positive, Pastor. Well, I'm going to try to be as positive as I can, but we cannot continue to play this blame game and throw all of the fault off on somebody else and say, well, you know what, they did me wrong. That's why I'm the way I am right now. Or they hurt me a long time ago, and that's the reason that I'm just hard to get along with. You know, at some point in life, you've got to realize you can get out of that room if you want to. You, you can get out of that prison if you're tired of that. You can get out of that frustration if you understand what's in your hands. Amen. It's much easier for me to blame others for my mess than it is for me to admit that I created it. When you come into a dirty room, as parents, the first question that comes out of our mouth usually is, who did this? And then a little closer inspection, you realize those are your socks. Those are your shoes. Now, there may be some others in there with it, but there's, there's just a lot of that mess that's there that I'm the one that put there. And so we want this copacetic life we want this life that's crystal and pure and blessed and we want all of these things for our life and we want our family to prosper and we want to be close to God and we want to do the things that God wants us to do and yet there's all this frustration and junk and aggravation and we want to blame somebody we'd like to we'd like to blame the preacher or the church you know it's the church's fault so many times it's easier to defer and transfer that responsibility for the chaos in my life than it is just to realize that I probably helped create that. Now, how did I do that? Well, what's in your bag? You all have a bag. Now, you ladies have a purse, but everybody in this building has a bag. And it's full of something full of seeds and everywhere you go in life you're reaching into that bag and you're pulling out and you're sowing everywhere you go so my question is what's in the bag because what's in the bag determines what comes out of the ground what I sow is what I'm going to get back Now, I can't go out sowing apple seeds and come back tomorrow or next year 
uh, probably not tomorrow, but next year, and 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 get angry at God and and my and everybody and the church and everybody else because I've got oranges growing, or or, or come expecting oranges to grow. I should say, I, I can't go through life sowing. One kind of seed, and then when it comes up, said, Oh, but that's not what I wanted. How many times have we gone into restaurants and we've ordered food and it was all on the menu, but when it came out, it wasn't what we thought in our mind it was supposed to be. Oh, this is not what I ordered. And they go get the menu and they show it to you in fine print. Yeah, it's what you ordered, it's all right there. But when we read, we just casually go through life and we think there's no consequence. We don't think there's any payback to life. We don't think that whatever we do now is going to have an effect on us tomorrow. So, you know, just live and let live. And, and, and we think that we can sow the wind and not reap the whirlwind. So my question to you, if you want to know the key to unlocking a door to move into a dimension of living for God or of joy or relationships or heat, whatever it is you are, you need to look in the bag because what's in the bag is what's going to come up. Now that principle is so simple that we don't think much about it, but the reality is you're not going to circumvent that law. You're not going to sow your wild oats and hope they come up blessed wheat. Oh, but we do that. We do that all the time. We, we want to do our thing. We want to live our life. We don't like constraint. We don't want anybody telling us what we can or cannot do. And, and, and the reality is there's really not a lot in church that goes on that line. And yet that's how we interpret things. The, the reality is I'm not trying to keep any of you from anything that will bless you. But I am trying to open your eyes to things that are going to hurt you and that are going to harm your life and help you understand that if you're tired of reaping what you're reaping, look in the bag. You can't sow discord and expect to reap peace. If you're contentious and you're hard to get along with and you're mean all the time, well, guess what? It's going to come back to you. You say, but that's just me, Brother Hughes. Well, we need to pray me through. You can't sow hatred and expect everybody to fall all over you and love you and just care for you. Man, I would avoid you like a seven-day itch. I wouldn't want to be anywhere close to because you're going you're, you're gonna to get back in your life what comes out of your bag. So quit blaming somebody else. Quit blaming what's happened in your life. Quit blaming what's gone on and wrong in your life. And look in your bag and see what it is. You may be sowing the wrong kind of seed. And I know a good place to make an exchange to get the right seed bag. There's an altar this morning. You can do that. You, you can get the right stuff in there. You can start putting the right things 
into your life. But if you want to know what the key to, a, to everything you desire, all of the blessing, the peace, the joy, the happiness, the unending blessings that come from God, you've got to first of all look in the bag. What are you sowing? You cannot sow contention and expect to reap unity. Good Lord, have mercy. I'm going to preach a little. I'm going to meddle with some marriages right now. What does it say about, I better not even go there. I better stay out of Proverbs this morning because that's not, would not be healthy for me. There'd be a whole lot more peace in the home if peace was sowed. You say, but I don't like what they're doing. Well, I'm just telling you, griping about it's not going to make it better. Y'all didn't come for this this morning. You cannot sow discord, contention. You cannot be a carrier of gossip. And then expect for everything that comes back to you to be, oh, you're such a great person. You're such a lovely, everybody loves you. Nobody talks about you. You can't do that. What's in the bag? Now, I know you don't like what's happening to you, and that's where we focus our life. We focus our life on what's wrong, what's happening to us, not understanding that's what happens to us is many times the result of what we have done with what's in our bag. And when we sow that one thing and we expect to reap another thing and we don't get it, then we want to blame somebody. We want to say, well, they didn't keep up their end of the bargain. Quit looking around at everybody else and just take a look right now in your own bag. And if you don't like what's going on in your life right now, don't look at your wife or your husband or your kids or your boss or the church or the pastor or somebody else. Look in your own bag. Better than that, I'll give you something that's easier than that. Look around you. What's coming up? What's growing around you? What's following you everywhere you go? You know, somebody said, well, bless God, I went to that church and they didn't like me and I went to another church they didn't like me either. <laughs> I'm not sure it's the church, folks. Just, that's just an analogy. I'm not trying to point any finger. I'm just, I'm just saying, if that's following you, Check the bag. Lord, help me. Sometimes I wonder where a preacher gets his sermons. I think this one came from the Lord. I hope it did. If there's confusion in your life, if, if, Everything around, if, if there's doubt, if there's contradiction, 
if there's turmoil, if everywhere you turn there's bitterness, quit looking at other people and look at what's in your bag. Amen. Because what's in the bag is what's going to come up. Somebody say amen. Amen. Say what's in the bag is the key to all that you want, all that you desire. Amen. It's in the bag. Number two, the key to what you desire is not only in the bag, but it is also in where you sow it. Jesus told the story, the parable of the seed and the sower, and he talked about four types of ground, four types. There was the hard-packed, stony ground. There was the thin-layered ground, the, the, the just shallow ground. There was the weed-infested, thorny ground, and then there was the good ground. There was... Ground that when they sowed it, it was just bird feed. Oh, they, they had no, it didn't matter what the potential that was in the seed was. Didn't matter what it could produce. And understand that one seed does not produce one seed. One seed produces a thousand seeds or a hundred seeds. One seed produces an apple that is full of seeds. So what's in that seed is not just one little thing, but it's the potential for multiplied things in our life. And if we're not careful, we can go through life sowing our seed in ground that will never be capable of producing what that seed is capable of. All it is is bird feed. That's what Jesus said. The birds of the air. The enemy comes and takes it out before it can do anything good. There's another ground. There's, there is that shallow ground. That, that it, will, it produces immediate results because of its shallowness and the heat factor when the seed falls into the ground, germination takes place very quickly and it sprouts up and you're thinking, man, look at this, I've already got a harvest. And then two weeks later, it's wilted over and died because there's no substance. There's, no, there, there's nothing to, to support the, 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 the program. There's nothing to keep it going. And then there is this ground that looks on the surface to be okay because it has been cleared According to Jewish historians, he was referring to ground that had been cleared, but it had not been toiled and cultivated. And so underneath the surface were all of these roots that had been part of weeds and thorns and thistles. And so when the seed falls into that ground, it has so much competition going on that it never can produce what it was designed to produce because there are just too many competing interests. So his point was, of, of, of many points that he made, is that it, the, the, the place where you sow the seed is just as important as the seed that you're sowing. You cannot go through life 
just indiscriminately throwing your life away and wondering why nothing good's coming back to me. You can't go through life wasting your efforts on things that will never produce. They never, they don't have the capacity to reproduce. They don't have the ability to germinate the seed. They cannot bring it to fruition and they cannot fulfill God's divine purpose in your life. You cannot go through life throwing your seed out and then wondering, well, I've worked so hard and I have nothing for my labor. You have to understand that just as important as what's in your bag is the ground in which you sow it. You cannot throw your life, I said it a while ago, you can't throw your life to the wind and not expect to reap the whirlwind. Careless of where you invest your life and the result will be far less, much less than what you desire. And so Jesus puts a simple principle you got to pay attention to where you're sowing your seed. Where are you investing your life? Where, and it may be in relationships with people that, you know what, in, in themselves, there's nothing superficially wrong with that, but there's no depth. They can't support what you're trying to accomplish. You can't merge two worlds, God's and, and, and the devil. You can't merge those two. You, you can't make both of them work together. They're like oil and water. You can't make them ever come into harmony. And yet there are people that are continually, continually living life, reaching for both worlds. And we live between this pulling to, and, and when we come to church, we're all stirred up. The songs stir us. The Spirit of God moves us. And we think, oh. And then we slip out and we move into this other world. And we're reaching for that. We want it. we got to have it. And, and we, we can't understand why we feel torn all the time. You'll never merge those two worlds. They will never agree. They'll never work together. Because the principle of the world is get it and get it fast. Don't worry about where you sow it. Just live, just live your life. Sow your seed. You're number one. That's right, Sister Kennedy. You're number one. It's all about me. Well, it may be all about me, but it should also be about where you're investing your life. Where are you putting all of that good seed? Because wherever you put it is going to determine whether it survives or not. And there's people in this building right now that you want to you, you, you throw away living for God because you say it doesn't work. But if you'd take an honest look this morning at what's been in your bag and where you've been sowing it, you'd understand why you feel the way you feel. And I'm not here to beat you down. I'm here to tell you that you can change that. You, you can change that. You, you, can, you hold in your hand a key that will unlock a door, that will bring you to the, the, the fulfillment and the joy and the peace and, and all of the stuff that people talk about living for God is supposed to produce. You can have it. Amen. And I'm closing. There's one more principle that you and I must understand is in our control. It's in our hands. And this is, this is probably one of the most misunderstood 
The key to what you want is found in the amount you're willing to invest. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 that he that soweth sparingly reaps. Anybody know what sparingly means? Grudgingly. It's like you count them out. Okay, God, one, two. Do I have to? Grudgingly. We sow grudgingly, but we want to reap bountifully. Here's the catch, folks. We want God's best for us. But we're not willing to give Him our best. We want to give Him just the part we want to give Him. Because we've got to keep some for us. And so we live our life. We want God to pour out His blessings. We want God to just lavish His gifts and love on us. And yet when we go to giving to Him, and I don't mean just financially, I mean in every way that we give, we count it out. We're, we're, we become a miser. Well, you know, I've I, I got to hold on to something for the future. I can't, I can't invest this talent. This is the only one I've got. They've got two and they've got five. I, I, I only have one. I better hold on to this one. And so we hold on to it thinking that we won't lose it. And the reality is we lose it all. Because there's a principle with God. You'll never outgive God. Never. That simply means that it doesn't matter how much you pour your life into living for God. God's going to pour more into you than you poured into Him. Always. You're, you're never going to do anything for God that God is not going to give back in this world and in the world to come. He's going to give pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And many people struggle this morning with the spiritual life because... They only want to give God just that much. We want to give Him about that much on Sunday morning. <laughs> but we, we don't want Him messing with us the rest of the week. We don't want Him interfering with us the rest of the week. And we wonder why we keep stumbling, we keep falling, we keep struggling, we're still frustrated, we're angry. It's because the only way to really live for God is to just throw it all on the altar and say, God, here I am, all of me, all of me. We want all God has, but we're not willing to give Him all we have. And so you cannot sow sparingly and expect to reap bountifully. It's a simple principle. And the key is in your hands right now. It's in your hand. You, you have the ability to go in there right now and put that key in the door and open it and walk out of that room that you've been locked in, that little prison, frustration, that repeated cycle of life. You do good, then you do bad. You do good, you do bad. You're up, one, then you're down. You're up. There's a key in your hand that will unlock that door that will help you get out of that and into 
a way of living for God that is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let's stand together. Amen. So many times in life, what we bring to God are just the leftovers. They're just the leftovers. And God sent me this morning on a mission to tell somebody that if you want God's best, then try giving Him your best. Amen. You can't live for God halfway. It just doesn't work. You can't live for God only on certain days of the week. It doesn't work. This has to be a daily thing every day. It affects my life every day. Every decision that I make, every choice that I make is governed by a higher principle. It's governed by a desire to, to give God my very best. I want to ask you this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed in this building, I wonder on the scale of God's economy, are you really giving Him your best? Are you really giving God what He paid for at Calvary? Are you just using God as an escape route, as a fire escape when life caves in and, and, and your, your, your life is in ruins and everything's bad? You know, it's easy to pray then. It's easy to call on God when, when your family's torn to pieces and life is upside down. We want everybody praying then. But this Sunday morning, some of you are not in a war right now. Some of you, you're not living where you could live. You're not as close to God as you might ought to be. You're not really being used of God in the way that you could be used of God. But it's not somebody else's fault. It's not, it's not the preachers. It's not your spouses. It's, it's not what's happened to you in the past. Very much could be said about all of that, but the reality is the key is in my own hands right now. It's in my possession. I hold it today. And if, if I would just begin to operate these three simple principles in my life, looking in the bag, what am I sowing? Looking around at the ground, where am I sowing it? And look at the amount I'm sowing. I could understand what it would take to move a little closer and to get to that place where I really need to be in God. Amen. I want the Holy Ghost to move right now, and I don't have the power or the words to convince you that what's offered to you right now is better than anything that the world could ever offer you. But if somebody in this service right now would respond to the presence and the touch of God that's on your heart right now, and you would just begin to slip out and make your way to this altar and just stand here,
Nobody's going to come and run and lay hands on you. Nobody's going to shake you. I just want you to come for a rendezvous with God. I want you to come to a place where God can help you order your steps, where God can help you right the wrongs that are in your life, where God can help you filter through all of the confusion, the confusion, the competing interest, all of the stuff, the junk that come, that, that clutters our life and, and takes away from the Word being able to produce in us what it was designed to produce. Come on. That's right. Just come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Everybody that will, come on. Come on. Just come and find a place and talk to God and ask Him to help you to search that bag. And if what you've got in that bag is not what you want, then go ahead and make an exchange with Him this morning. Let Him give you the right kind of seed to plant. Let Him put in your hands the right tool to use. Let Him put in your possession the right things that can transform your life. Come on. Look around at where you've been investing your life. Where have you been pouring your life out? What have you been giving yourself to?